listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of ESL Talk. Today, we're taking a slight diversion from the world of ESL teaching specifically to look at the issue of cultural awareness and learn a little bit more about this topic in a professional context. Yes, as English teachers and professionals, it is definitely important to cover this topic as we are exposed to many different students from all over the world, all different kinds of backgrounds. And our special guest, Li Peng, is going to join us today to talk about how she teaches cultural awareness as a teacher, as well as her approach to teaching Chinese to business professionals. So she yeah. works teaching like Westerners, I guess, yes. the Chinese cultural awareness, which is going to be an interesting flip on that. It script. is. Yeah, I'm really fascinated by this topic. Um, so, Fei, let's share a little bit about our experiences before we hear from Li Ping. So, mm-hmm. um, Fei, what does cultural awareness mean to you exactly? I guess it's uh, being a little bit more in tune with the background of what of the place or the language you're speaking so it's uh, at least being prepared to learn you might not necessarily know all of the conventions and all that but for me cultural awareness is understanding that all cultures are different Uh, languages and cultures are different and we need to kind of always be prepared to learn um, and adapt to the culture of the place where we're we are at or the people we're talking to. How about for you, Daniel? Yeah, I think um, it's really important to take time to get to know your learners and mm-hmm. actually listen to them and take note of what they're saying to you mm-hmm. um, because then you can better connect with them. You can better um, explain things to them. You can you can teach them more effectively, actually, by understanding their awareness and their starting points and, and what they're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found in the past that just because a student's from country X, it doesn't mean that that's the same as every other student or that, you know, we need to avoid those generalizations, which we can sometimes make as, as English, le- uh, English yeah. teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's about, like I said, having a good understanding, listening to your learners, learning from them and, and kind of responding to them so that you can better serve them um, as a student. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. But um, Faith, has living and working in Canada for you, has that opened your eyes to cultural awareness a little bit more? And, and if it has, how? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like um, living in Brazil or growing up in Brazil, um, a lot of the immigration and uh, a lot of the movement happened about 100 years ago, 
So mm-hmm. you don't really meet people that are new immigrants. You don't really, you see like you go to a Japanese restaurant and the people there might be second or third generation Japanese. So their culture is a little bit more Brazilian at that point. Right. So you don't really have to um, think too much about how you're going to, you know, be respectful or the way they talk to you might not be a language thing. They might not be a, a they might not be rude or polite. It's just, it's a lang- it's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, mm-hmm. I remember specifically when we moved here, um, we were living at a building that was uh, managed by a lot of Eastern Europeans. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the time, the, like our first contact with our building manager, I thought she was very rude. And then I was talking to a friend at work and she's like, um, she's also Eastern European. And then she was telling me about like how hard it was for her to move to Canada. Cause she'd like the, here, she had to learn to be more polite the the Canadian way. And then I started telling her about the businessman, the building manager and all that. She's like, oh yeah, that's exactly the way we behave, you know, um, in maybe in an Eastern European country where it's very direct, you know, not a lot of like smiling and pleasantries. It's just, let's get to the point. And then I learned, okay, this is a different culture. And for me, that was like eye-opening to just experience and be more open-minded to all the cultures around me. Yeah. Wonderful. That's really cool. Very cool. Now, how does this look for you in the classroom, Daniel? How do you deal with these different yes. uh, clash, the we've, clash of cultures? Yeah, we've both obviously been in those situations in the classroom together. Um, I think it's about using the material and using the theme or the, the lesson itself use that as a way to develop cultural awareness. So mm-hmm. by students communicating with each other, maybe some speaking drills, maybe some presentations, maybe some um, kind of question and answers. These are really nice to, to tackle cultural awareness. And in a society like Canada as well, we can also use that to explore different themes that we've talked about before, like gender or identity or mm-hmm. race or um, religion or sexuality. All these different things can be also really useful um, to do. Now, obviously, that depends on the age and the, the level of your student. Um, but, yeah. um, you know, cultural awareness could be something as, as simple as, you know, where you live, you know, what's the diversity what does diversity look like what does it mean mm-hmm. to you okay let's talk about this context and let's compare maybe i don't know for example china and iran and uh, saudi arabia how do those three cultures um how how is how is you know diversity represented what does it look like so things like that could be really really useful and even on a simple a simple tweak you can do if you're just teaching one-on-one or you're teaching small groups um is if you have a you know a reading or um, you know a m- material that you're going through with a with a student, just ask them some questions about it. Oh, is this the case where you live, or have you mm-hmm. ever experienced this in your country? Okay, so what yeah. happens in your country? Oh, tell me more. Let me learn about it. So yeah. again, that that can be a really simple thing you can do um, to build cultural awareness as well. Um, I think as well, it it yeah. makes students more receptive to learning about. western culture let's say let's call it that but you know like english-speaking countries and all that because if you start from a point of what is it like in your country and not Mm -hmm. from a from a viewpoint of what is it like for you how do you tip at a restaurant it's more like how do people normally and that's i think comes into our sensitivity sensitivity as teachers to you know not make things too personal at that point just like let's generalize in a way you know 
it's a good um, starting point right and then yeah. you can kind of develop further and I think as well with that you know it can be a bit difficult sometimes to broach certain topics so just by mm -hmm. by starting off quite general and, and quite vague um, yeah, then that can exactly. be a nice lead-in um, to for you to build that uh, build that trust ultimately so that they can really open up and you know we, we talk about this all the time when you learn a language you learn a culture as well so yeah by by asking students you're, you're taking a little bit of um, a little bit of their experience and you're trying to to learn from that as well as a teacher mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in terms of planning and delivery Faye how would you know if you were going to teach cultural awareness or you wanted to incorporate it into your classes how would that look like in your planning and delivery um, I think in, in those cases where you're specifically focusing on that, I think it's really important to consider who your students are. And that's why I don't think uh, you can just take the same lesson plan and teach it the exact same way for a different group. Um, so for me, it really comes into play when I'm planning um, because I think about my, my, the backgrounds of my students in that class and having experience, like we have experience already with so many different um, backgrounds and, and cultures. I, you can kind of know when it's going to be a more sensitive topic or, you know, you kind of already anticipate certain things. So you can plan your question, your discussion questions and things like that to make things a little bit, maybe a little bit less of a, of a, you know, conflicting point or something like that. So that's um, where it comes into play for me in the planning stage. Um, it's just knowing your students. And, and it goes back to what you mentioned as well. It's like, you have to know your students first get right. to know them, Absolutely. know their backgrounds, you know, the, know uh, the baggage they bring into class with them. Yeah. Um, and then use that in your planning so that you can anticipate those issues and be ready to, um, to teach them and to deal with some of the challenges that might happen. I, I remember once I had an issue with a group of students, I was teaching business English specifically. And there was, I was, we were doing a, a lesson on, it was actually kind of ironic, but we were doing a lesson on etiquette and like, what's polite, what's not polite. Or, or we were more talking more about language, like things like, could you please, you know, using expressions like um, expressions for being polite. Mm -hmm. And then there were a lot of my students were sick at this time. It was in the middle of winter and they were in groups. And there was one group uh, that were more, I put them into groups of the same cultural background, which I don't right. normally do, but for this activity, I felt like it could be interesting. Mm -hmm. And all of the students in the European group were really annoyed. I could tell that they were annoyed. And every time a student in the, the group of my Asian students, every time they, they had like Taiwanese and Korean students together, I think it mm -hmm. was, every time somebody uh, sniffed or went like, like this, my, uh, I could see my, my European students cringe and give them a dirty look. And then every time my European students would blow their nose in class, yes. I could see the other group looking at them like, what the hell? And then I realized, okay, maybe this is a good example. It's a good point for us to, to touch on. Yes. And I brought it up in class and we had an interesting discussion about that. And then a, a student of mine, one of the Europeans was like, I was actually fighting with my housemate yesterday about this because wow. we kept, uh, we were having dinner and she kept making all these noises. And then she was mad at me because I blew, I was blowing my nose at the table and I'm like, see, but it's not, you shouldn't be fighting. You should understand that it's different cultures. Yes. yes. And so it's things like that will happen in your classroom. If you wow. have students from different backgrounds and yeah, 
Um, but then it kind of like eased the tension after we talked it over and realized it was a matter of what's accepted and not accepted. And we realized in some countries, it's more polite to blow your nose than to keep making all those noises. And in other countries, you never blow your nose in public, right? Right. Wow. Amazing. Um, That's anyway. a, it's a really interesting example. And I think it kind of, it kind of, um, kind of personifies what we're talking about, about how you can approach different things some some things as mundane and as innocent as that you can definitely Mm -hmm. use them as teaching points and and it definitely helps you again build that connection with your learners and hopefully open their mind and teach them not just the language but also the culture as well right now for our teachers or listeners um, why do you think cultural awareness is important and how we already kind of mentioned that but how can we start to consider this more when teaching if we fail to think about the culture of a student we could lose that student in terms of their attention or their focus or their um, motivation um, in the class. Because if, of, of course, we, we need to treat all of our students equally, absolutely. However, we also need to make them feel as though they're valued and that they're listened to and that they're cared for. Because if you just say like, you know, if, 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 if you try to open up to me and say, oh, Daniel, I want to tell you a story of when, you know, when I grew up, and I, whatever, I don't care. We're here to learn English well, then you're never going to open up in a discussion or yeah. you're not going to share something in the future because you feel like, well, I'm not valued. So why would I do that? So I think it's really important to, to value everyone's culture and their background so that you can, you can hopefully build good connections, which leads to good communication, which leads to hopefully development in the language. And then also building that really nice classroom environment, even if it's just a one-on-one environment, you know, taking that genuine interest in your student can really help them feel more comfortable, more confident and make progress. So I would say that's how you need to start doing it. And and that's why cultural awareness is so important for us as teachers. Yeah. Well, that's been a wonderful start to our episode today. I'm really curious to hear about teaching perspectives from a teacher who teaches another language, Mm -hmm. not English, and how that looks uh, to English speakers. So let's now bring in Lipping. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. 
With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, Luping, thank you so much for joining us today on ESL Talk. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, yes, thanks so much for being here to share your ideas on cultural awareness and your approach to teaching learners another language. And I mm -hmm. believe you teach Chinese, right? Yes, that, that is correct. Mm -hmm. Wow, amazing. So first, Luping, can you tell us about your amazing journey and how you got into teaching business professionals Chinese communication? All right, uh, it's a, quite a long story, actually. <laughs> uh, I have been teaching Chinese as a second language for almost 11 years so far. So I used to teach Chinese in many different countries as a second language. For example, I used to teach in Thailand, China, the United States. Uh, I uh, just love teaching language, you know, just love teaching language and the Chinese culture in general. So I actually got my uh, bachelor degree in teaching Chinese a second language, my master degree in teaching Chinese a second language, and my second master degree also in the same field. So I, I do really like what I'm doing. Yeah, so I used to, you know, teach in many different countries, and then in 2015, I taught Chinese um, back in China at the university. Uh, at that time, I was, you know, feel stuck in the same field for so long. So I was trying to find a new opportunity to, you know, get out of my conference zone to try some other chance. So at that time, I got a chance uh, to teach Chinese in the United States as a visiting professor at the University mm -hmm. of South Florida. So I moved to the United States in 2015 to teach Chinese as a you know at a university so i teach there for four years it was a wonderful journey and then at the same time you know i realized that the more i teach and the more i realize that i don't know you know i just don't know how to, how to teach because <laughs> it's different right yeah yeah so the environment is different the learning is different the you know the tongue contacts are different different so I decided to go back to school to learn, you know, the new theories, the new technology and the new techniques to how to teach Chinese. So basically I taught Chinese as a professor and at the same time, I'm also a full-time student at the same mm -hmm. university. Yeah, so I was graduated from that university in 2019, basically like three years ago. So after I graduated from that university, I got a job in uh, California in the Bay Area. So I moved, because that university is in Florida. So I moved for, from Florida to uh, to the Bay Area. And uh, yeah, that's the journey, you know, the, mm -hmm. the whole journey. And last year, yeah, last year, you know, because it's a, it, was, it was actually not last year, two years ago, because COVID has been two years, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, so because COVID hit, I was uh, feel very stressed about my job because at that time I was a Chinese teacher at a public school in in, uh, in California. Very stressed every day, one commute about two hours back and forth. Uh -huh. 
you guys know that how crazy it is for the traffic in the Bay Area. Yeah. So yeah, everything went crazy. So I decided to, you know, I just decided to, uh, this is not what I need. This is not what I want. And I always want to start my own business. Mm. So I quit the job and moved to Mexico to start my own business. So this wow. is the, yeah, so this is the whole journey. Now, mm. why I wanted to focus on business professionals is because speaking of my own experience, teaching experience, I have the experience teaching all different kinds of learners, right? Kindergartners, mm. five years old, <laughs> they are. Yeah, and um, high schoolers and middle schoolers, uh, university students, and also business professionals. So, uh, from my speaking from my experience, I noticed that for business professionals, some of them they can speak very good Chinese. Mm -hmm. They're very fluent. They can express them very perfectly. But when it comes to the workplace or business environment they feel struggled. They are struggling with how to use Chinese to communicate with colleagues, co-workers, clients, customers, business partners, because it's a different environment, right? Different context, and they require you have different set of skill, communication skill, to use a specific language, to use a specific culture knowledge, to handle the specific situation. So I decided, why don't I just put myself out there to, you know, to help this specific group of people to, you know, help them navigate the business business world. Because mm-hmm. we know that right now it's a uh, lots of company and they're doing business with China, right? Yeah, yeah. Global economic. It's a huge market, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And lots of company, they're planning to enter the Chinese market. And what uh, you mentioned makes total sense because you're not just teaching them the language in that case you have to teach them the culture and right. all of those uh, you know um, the rules mm-hmm. that they have to follow and that's what brings us to the topic of today's episode so yes. how do you go about teaching this cultural awareness adding that on to the language to your students mm, i think cultural awareness is the very popular topic right mm-hmm. Yeah, when we talk about teaching language, teaching culture, or ESL, yeah. right? The same and, for English, definitely. Yeah, yeah the same right. for English. As long as you're learning different different language, right? Because language and culture here, they cannot separate it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they go they goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. So I think when we're talking about a culture awareness, the first thing we need to know that there's a difference there, right? Because we come from different Chinese, we come from different cultural background. We speak different language, so so it's definitely there's differences there. So what you're going to expect when you're interacting with people from different cultural background, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so the different we know that there are differences there, but but what what are the differences? So that's the very first thing you need to know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, there's no cultural awareness because you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. You don't know that that's how come how come it's possible for you to talk about awareness? Yeah. Right. So for most of my clients, they have the experience of uh, you know living in China or studying mm-hmm. China for a couple of years. They uh, speak some Chinese, so they may have some knowledge about Chinese culture. So they may have a certain level of culture awareness, but you know, probably not like a business related. 
Mm-hmm. Not, they probably not like sophisticated enough to handle the situation in business environment. They probably can like, you know, talk with people, greet to people and uh, handle the day-to-day conversation, but not in business environment. Mm-hmm. So how do I teach culture awareness? My, uh, my way is to give them the culture contest because think about it, most of them are, they're living in the United States or somewhere else in the world, right? Not in China. <laughs> So when we want to learn the authentic culture elements, we want to raise our culture awareness, we need the culture, authentic culture environment and context, but it's impossible for them to access to it because they're not in that environment. So how do I teach it? I design the culture context for them. Mm -hmm. For example, if they need to negotiate with Chinese business partners, what language do they need to use? What body language do they need to conduct? Mm-hmm. What phrases they need to use? How do, com- how do they handle the conflicts during the negotiation process? So I would design this context for them. Okay, right now we're in the office. So we're talking about this, this big deal. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're negotiating the price in terms of which product. So this is the context. This is the language you need to use. And I'm gonna offer you the, the material, the language, the phrase, and the culture parts and knowledge we're gonna use to practice in this specific contest. You need they need to be prepared before the class, right? So when you get prepared, yeah. So when you get prepared to come to my class, get yourself immersed in this in this cultural context, and we practice it. Like a real, like a real interesting context is everything for sure. It is. It is. And it's it's interesting. You say like, even because you you just assume when you teach English, oh, it's the same for, for everyone when you're communicating, but it isn't like there's differences in every culture and every language, which Mm -hmm. is, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah, basically yeah. we're doing we're doing a a dem a, a role play, right? Yeah, role plays and yeah, it's it's huge. Like even in the English classes that we we teach, we always see how. Um, how students are able to just kind of take on a different role like like the the activity says but like you said it it gives them that context that's so needed now what are some of the challenges that you face uh, teaching Chinese to business people from all over the world can you give us some examples or some of the things Um, you encountered yeah I guess because as a teacher you know we the main responsibility for us is to teach right mm-hmm. in the class or whatever online or in physical environment you just to teach all you need to do is to teach to deliver the content to the student mm-hmm. answer their question give them feedback that's your main responsibility but uh when it comes to starting business it's lots of lots of responsibility mm-hmm. and you, you as one person you wear lots of hats right right you, yeah, you have to do the marketing part, the sales part, the, the content part, and also, you know, everything is relying on your shoulder. So I would say the most challenging thing for me right now is how to find the potential client and how to make the sales successful, you know, because mm-hmm. we're now professional salesperson, right? Yeah, so we we have, you know, very limited limits to the sales skill when it comes to how to persuade people to buy your service, right? So that's a big challenge for me right now. But, um, you know, it's, it's a learning process, right? 
Yeah, it's, it, it is difficult. It's something we've talked about a lot in our previous episodes. It's you can have the best program, the best course, the best classes in the world, but unless you position them and market them and promote yes. them in the right way, then it can be really difficult. So yeah, I, I think it is a real challenge and it's the same obviously for, for every um, language, not just English. So it's good to hear that we're not alone in that context. Yeah. So um, leaving many of our listeners work with or teach Chinese students, um, so kind of on the other side, um, but what are some things that they need to consider when teaching Chinese learners? What advice could you share from, from the other side? Mm, I think, you know, for, for ESL teachers, uh, I guess the, they have lots of Chinese learners because, you know, yeah, we have, it's a huge market, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lots of Chinese learners that they need to learn English. So, um, myself is English learner as well. English is not my first language. And my first language is, of course, Mandarin, right? So speaking from my own experience, I would say the number one thing I would give to ESL teachers, the, like, the number one, not like suggestion or something, just my two cents, just pay attention to the context. I always, I cannot stress this enough. Pay attention to the context because different in different contexts, we use different language, we use different body language, we use different face, even facial expression, right? It, regardless of the what, what kind of uh, language you're, or you're learning. For example, in Chinese culture, when you say hello to a, a person, um, if the person is a stranger, you never met him before, you can say simply saying ni hao, no problem. But if that person is somebody that you already know and uh, you're kind of close to him, or let's say he's a friend, you cannot use ni hao. That's not appropriate thing to say. You have to use something different. Mm. If that person is a uh, senior, is much older than you, you have to use different language. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. It's all about a context. I, I believe it's the same in English. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you say hello to your friend, you can simply say, hi, what's up, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no problem. But if you say hello to your professor or to your boss, to your supervisor, you cannot just say, hi, dude, what up? <laughs> right. It's not going to yeah. work the same, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be considered not a, not appropriate thing to do, right? Yeah, and that, that sounds like a good idea to me too. Like it's something that I wouldn't think when teaching a Chinese student. I know, and I know in Korea it's the same. Like when teaching a student from China or Korea, I wouldn't think that that student maybe is shy about saying hi because they're not sure how to say hi. Well, yeah, sometimes maybe they're yeah. not sure what to yeah. say. Yeah, I often even get students asking me how old I am so, so, so that they kind of know how to do that. But here, like, it doesn't really matter, right? Because we, yeah. we don't really follow those. Um, now, and that to me sounds like something that would be really, like, interesting even for your social media. And I know you, you create social media content. Now, what cultural awareness issues normally resonate well with your audience? Like thinking mm -hmm. of examples like that. I think based on my content, you know, the content got a lot of interaction with the with the audience. It's always the part about the Chinese culture. Because mm -hmm. um, language part, sometimes it's it's not that hard to figure out, right? We have Google Translation. We have lots right. of 
tools that you can take advantage of to help you to understand the meaning. But the, the hard part is that you cannot translate it or you cannot just, you know, uh, interpret it by yourself. It's the culture part. For example, the culture uh, etiquette, the way we communicate, the style that we communicate, like how to greet people, how to uh, exchange gifts, for example, mm. how to say goodbye, how to address people based on their title or based on their age, right? So those kind of things that it's uh, oftentimes it's gonna cause conflicts and misunderstanding, right? So those kind of content, I noticed that it resonated with my audience a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's that more about the, the nuances, right? The very kind of getting down to the granular level things you wouldn't think about, but for you, it's very natural, but to a learner, they'd be like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't I, think that this is different in, in mm-hmm. Chinese or that I needed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I remember this one of my video uh, is about how to call Chinese people mm-hmm. based on the relationship with them. For mm-hmm. example, if that person is not very close to you, or let's say you just met, maybe the second, first time or the second time, you cannot call them by using their first name. For example, in English culture, in Western culture, it's very common, right? I can yeah. call Daniel or Faye, that's no problem, right? Yeah, yeah. But in Chinese culture, even we are the first time for us to meet each other, but in Chinese culture, you don't call people by their first name when you first time to meet them. Only family members and close friends can call each other by using their first name. For example, if, um, if, if um, I am Li Ping, right? If you call me Li Ping, uh, it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in I mean, in English co- context, right? Sounds fine, yeah. Yeah, it sounds fine. But in Chinese culture, if let's say you guys are my Chinese friend and you call me Li Ping and we never met before, that's going to sounds weird to me right yeah but it's interesting that you kind of you yourself already know that when you switch the language you switch the culture but a lot of our students might not realize that right yeah yeah like changing languages often it's just changing just the whole way you you should think and and behave Mm -hmm. um now why do you think it's important for all teachers to understand their audience and be able to communicate with them effectively um i think i mean for let's talk about the ESO teacher. If, if you're not like like me and start a business or stuff like that, if you're just simply teaching your student, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to understand their needs, right? Their goal right. and their learning style and what kind of learning style, learning strategy works for them because everybody's different, right? Some of the learners are more visual, uh, more visual learners. Some of the learners they like more you know speaking or listening it's different right so that's the one reason you need to understand your audience another reason is that um i think because it's just my personal opinion i think that teach teaching is not just about you know delivering the knowledge it's about um, making connection with with you know people because you're not just teaching them to learn a language, to learn a knowledge, learn a, grandma, a piece of grammar. You're teaching them a lot of things, more than just, just on the surface level. Like you're teaching them culture, you're teaching them how to be a bad person, you teach them how to 
you know, how to be more productive or do how to more, how to communicate more effectively, how to, you know, how I say that, like how to be a better person and, you know, deliver your love and uh, be more conscious and uh, create more, like more beautiful words for people around you, become a better person. That's what I believe. Teaching, yeah. teaching is a, it's a very noble job. Oh yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. We we talked about this. It's about kind of being genuine, being being honest, being yourself, and and projecting who you are to that student, so they can build a connection and they can obviously trust in in what you do and believe in what you do as well. I think that's really exactly. Important. And uh, you know, we as a teacher, I I think we should be a role model for for the students to understand, right. them, to care about them, to know who they are. And of course, know who we are, right? So that we can set up a model for them. I mean, think about it for students. I mean, they get out the, I mean, for let's say middle schoolers, high schoolers, they spend much more time with their teachers than spend time with their parents, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because some of them, they're, you know, they're at the school. Uh, they maybe just go home like once, so like maybe once a month. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, really, yeah. it's really true. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's what I believe. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Liping, what are some of the observations you found going from an English learner to a Chinese teacher, having seen both sides of the classroom? So, what are some some things you've noticed being on both sides? Um, I think for me, because uh, speaking from my experience, um. Uh, I'm having a I have been a language teacher for so long, and myself also, you know, love learning language. I mean, I've been learning English for so long, and uh, I'm learning Spanish, so I do have a passion for learning language. So I think from my observation from both sides is that learning language is about using it, right? The primary goal, the primary goal for us to learn language is to use it to communicate. That's why we learn it, right? So, I mean, speaking, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, why context is important because we need to use it to communicate in different contexts, right? So I would say that the, pur the purpose of learning language is, is to use it to communicate. And when you teach, when you design your class, and when you um, try to, let's say, teach a piece of language grammar points, Always, always think about this. Your goal is to help your students use the in real life situation, help them actually use it to communicate. So that's my main takeaway from my experience from both sides. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, and also for learners, I would suggest them to really look at their goal, really to really set up a goal for themselves because everybody's different. I mean, if you a if you're a student, your goal may just uh, you know speak better or pass exam, right? So once you set up the goal, focus on that goal. Let's say if you are somebody already, you're you know you you got a job and you need to speak in English, you need to be more confident, and you need to communicate better in English. And your goal is to learn and be focused on improving skills in. It, some, it related to your job performance, right? So if you have lots and lots of time and you are just learning English for fun, you really enjoy learning English as a general language. And um, I mean, you can 
watch movies, listen music, lots of things you can do, right? But if I am uh, somebody working for a company, I need to improve my English. I cannot do that because I don't have that much time, right? So that's what I'm talking about. Different goal depends on which strategy works best for you. So once you set up the goal, choose the best strategy for you and focus, and then it will help you to reach your goal more faster and more efficiently. So stop learning English as a general general language. Yes, I always yes. tell, yeah, I always tell my learner. It seems for English. Stop learning Chinese as a general language. What is your goal? Focus. Yeah, we've, yeah. Always, we've talked about that too. Like you have to have specific goals too, not just I want to be fluent, right? Exactly. Like what, what are you going to use the language for? Yeah, that's always great advice. Perfect. Yeah. Great, Liping. Thank you so much for your advice. And you shared some really, really interesting insights because we don't always consider these things as English teachers primarily. And it, it's really nice to, to get, you know, get a new perspective from another language, which also relates to us a lot. So we, we can definitely learn a lot from this as English teachers mm-hmm. too. So how can our listeners find out more about you and, and learn about your business sleeping? Um, I am very active on LinkedIn. So yeah, you can find me by searching my name, Li Ping. Yeah, yeah, it's my, my last name. So you can find me on LinkedIn and uh, where I, I post the contents uh, very frequently. And also, I have my um, YouTube channel. It's a Learning Chinese for Business, and you can search it as well to find me. So those are two platforms right now. I'm I'm trying to promote. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll promote those for you. We'll share the links in the description for the episode mm-hmm. as well. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Li Ping. Thank you, guys. So that was great. And as always, please remember you can get in touch with us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast or send an email to ESL Talk Podcast at gmail.com. And you can also visit our website to access this and all of our previous episodes from every season for free. And also join us on Patreon for even more benefits, webinars, merchandise, and a lot more. Just go to esl-talk.com or our Instagram to find out more. You can find me at Learning with Faye. Faye is F-E-Y. Or I'm Daniel Teacher. So that's it for this week. We'll see you again next week for a new episode of ESL Talk. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.